Father, we uh, are so grateful. Grateful for the cross. Grateful that we could gather in this room today to, uh, to begin Holy Week together on this beautiful Palm Sunday. We're thankful, Lord, not just for the resurrection, but for the entire good news story of Jesus. Father, I pray that as we spend these next few minutes together, that you will take, Lord, the meaning of those songs that we just sang, God, and you will just embed them deeply in our souls. And I pray that if somebody in this room needs to see Jesus more clearly today, that they will. That, God, it will be a a life-changing encounter for them. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection we'll celebrate next week. But we thank you that between now and then, we get to ponder this story. Help us see good news. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can have a seat, folks. Thank you. Good morning. morning. Room is looking quite full today for uh, a COVID crowd. So uh, really glad that all of you are here, that we could celebrate Palm Sunday together. Uh, It's a real thrill to be able to be in the room this year on Palm Sunday with each other, right? Yeah, you bet. And uh, some hope feels like it's on the horizon. And that's what this week is all about. That's certainly what we're going to be talking about next weekend is how hope is here. And what does it look like that hope is here? And we're looking forward to that. If you are uh, new with our Meadow Heights family, or maybe you feel kind of new because it's the first time you've been able to be back in the room for a while. We see several faces we're really glad to have back with us. We're especially glad that you're here, including those of you who may be joining us online today for the first time. Welcome, and we hope you feel like family, and we hope that our time together today really does help open your eyes up to the presence of Jesus this week in ways you might have missed if you hadn't been able to gather with us like this. Um, it's, it's really helpful if you have our app downloaded on your phone. If you don't already have that, this would might be a good time to capture that QR code off the screen or just make a note to yourself or whatever. Uh, there are lots of ways you can participate with our church family this coming week as we head toward Easter. There will be some notifications, so make sure your notifications are turned on. It'll help you be alert to things so you don't miss any of it. And, uh, and if you are a guest, you could actually do something even one step easier than that. You could text the word hi to this number that's going to be, there it is on the screen. If you just want to text HI to that number, uh, we will shoot a quick reply back to you. And if you'd like to introduce yourself real quickly, we'd love that. We'll introduce ourselves back, uh, and we'd, uh, we'd just love to say hi back to you. So uh, let us know if you're new to the Meadow Heights family. And, um, and if you have uh, not had a chance to pick up your t-shirt at Connection Point yet, that means maybe we haven't had Connection Point, which is an accurate assessment. But we do have connection point now, and we'd love to fix you up with a free shirt. If you haven't been able to get that any time in the last year, uh, stop by the Welcome Center on the way out, and one of our great volunteers will fix you up with that. Uh, Every once in a while, something happens in our church family. We can't always do this, but every once in a while, we get to celebrate things that occur, and uh, we had a cool thing happen for some folks in our church family a couple of weeks back. We haven't had a chance to acknowledge yet for one reason or another, but in case you missed it, uh, Champ McMurray is, he's looking at me saying, he's not going to do that, is he? Yes, he is. Chet McMurray and his South Iron Panthers are the class one state basketball champions for the state of Missouri. Yeah. And uh, several of them are part of our church in different ways. Some of you may be joining us online from over in Annapolis, and we're really congratulating Champ and Mac helps coach the team and all of those uh, guys on the men's basketball team. Also, uh, Josh Rainey, our own Josh Rainey, who's back behind a monitor, also hoping I don't do this. Uh, He's one of the coaches on the women's team there, and they also went to the Final Four, which is a pretty big deal, right? To have both those teams in one year uh, from that school do that. So anyway, been wanting to do that for you, champ, just so I could see that look on your face a couple of minutes ago. Congratulations, buddy. (laughs) That's great. 
You know, last week we wrapped up our Good God series and we talked about some pretty challenging subjects in that series. Last week, one of the most challenging questions I think that people have, and it's still pertinent this week and we'll be moving on to it uh, next week. In fact, this week's going to be a real good connector between that series and Easter Sunday, I think. And um, I had a couple of people come up, and many of you have done this, of course, over the course of the series. But last week in particular, I, it was striking to me that in one of our gatherings, a really young guy uh, came up to me afterwards, and then a, uh, a senior adult guy came up to me afterwards, and both of them essentially said the same thing. Uh, the young guy said, I've been in church, lots and lots of churches my whole life. I've never actually heard somebody say, that it was okay to voice out loud the questions we all have, something to this effect, when we read scripture, that sometimes stuff does bother us and we don't know what to do with it. I am so glad that you actually said it out loud today. And then the senior adult, he had tears in his eyes and he just wanted to say, thank you. Thank you for helping put together a church. And he meant all of us like this. He said, this is amazing what this church does in our community. And of course, when I hear something like that, I'm grateful, you know, that when you take time to say those words, they always mean a lot to us. But I always think of you when somebody says those because I realize none of what happens here wouldn't, would happen without you. I'm not the church. Our pastors aren't the church. We're the church, amen? All of us are the church of Jesus Christ. And all of us help me make this happen. So just by way of a thank you again, whenever you pray and you serve and you invite or you gather, uh, whenever you give, all of those things help make this gift available to our communities here in the 573, and we're grateful. If you're gonna give today, you can do that on the app as well, or of course, you can do it the old-fashioned way with the envelopes that are back there at the table in the back as you head to your car after a while. But thank you for helping make uh, this church family possible. You know, Kara already alluded to this a few moments ago about um, this week, Palm Sunday, sort of initiates what is sometimes called Holy Week or Passion Week. And as we head towards the cross, Good Friday and then the resurrection, uh, different church traditions honor different days throughout this week. But we get to celebrate Palm Sunday and then we get to complete the whole story with Resurrection Sunday or Easter next weekend. And what we thought we would do as we anticipated today and the chance to be back in the room together on a Palm Sunday, we thought, um, what would what would really maybe help all of us experience Holy Week in a fresh way this year? And, and so what we've done is our teaching team is going to take moments. All of us are here. We're going to take a few moments to lead you through something for these next few minutes we have together. And then we're going to respond with some music. We're going to respond with some reflection and prayer. We're going to respond with communion together at the end. But you know, the, the thing that happens on Palm Sunday is that the people were welcoming Jesus as king, so to speak. So they have the palm branches out. They're saying, Hosanna. They're talking about basically Jesus being their Messiah and their king. Of course, they had no way they could possibly anticipate what else would happen in the following few days. They did not know how the big story of God would play out, what it really means to welcome Jesus as king, because he doesn't even ride into Jerusalem on the back of a war horse like a conquering Messiah. He comes on the back of a humble donkey. And they're about to see that he becomes a life-giving, suffering servant for his people. And that in the kingdom where Jesus is king, it's all upside down to what we thought a kingdom would look like and what a king would be. Now, here we are more than 2,000 years later, and we know how it plays out, and we have a much deeper appreciation for what it means when Jesus is king. And so here's what we're going to do today. We're simply going to ask you this question. How could we welcome Jesus as king today? Every day this week, what would it look like for you to proclaim with your life, Hosanna, Hosanna, <laughs> blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is my king. What would that look like? And we think there may be some, some practices that would help. And so we're going to share two or three things that we hope might capture your imagination in ways they couldn't possibly have imagined on the very first Palm Sunday. And to kind of get that conversation started for us, uh, Jeremiah is going to come and he's going to share that first practice that we get engaged in. Come on, Jay. Thanks, Brian. Ah, good morning. Brian had talked about uh, questions that we often have. And did you know that the, what the biggest 
most important question that we can ask ourselves is? The biggest, most important question is this. Will I trust God? Biggest one. Will I trust God? Will you trust God? Will I trust that he loves me unconditionally? Will I trust that he can heal the deepest pain in my soul? Will I trust that he's always with me? Will I trust that he can use my deepest hurts even for good? Will I trust God? That is the single most important question. The most important question isn't, do you believe in God? It's, will I trust the God who is, right? And life is full of questions, isn't it? We just did a whole series on questions. We have questions like, what do we do when our past keeps showing up in our present? That seems to be a problem a lot of times. What do I do when life doesn't turn out like I thought it would? What do I do when God doesn't come through like I thought he would? What do I do when I'm constantly facing people who are hurting me intentionally? Like, what do we do with that? Because what happens in life is we all end up at a place where we end up hurting, right? If you've gone through life and you haven't hurt yet, it's coming, okay? There's some good news for you. But we all end up in a place where, we're, where we hurt. And here's the deal. Christianity isn't about having simple answers to these really difficult questions. Following Jesus doesn't mean that we have it all wrapped up and that when life throws us curveballs, we're going to know exactly what to do because we got all the answers. That's not what following Jesus is like. And there's really good news in that. You know why? Because we're not supposed to be the answer people. I think a lot of times we feel like once we start following Jesus, we're supposed to have it all figured out. Like we, we're supposed to have all the answers, but that's not how it works. I love this story in, in Brennan Manning's book, Ruthless Trust. He tells a story of how this uh, brilliant ethicist, John Cavanaugh, went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta, India, and it said he was seeking a clear answer as to how best to spend the rest of his life. Wouldn't we all love that answer? How do I spend the rest of my life? What's the best way? I want to do that. And on the first morning, he met Mother Teresa, who asked, what can I do for you? Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray? She asked. He said, pray that I have clarity. She said firmly, as we can think Mother Teresa being firm in that moment, no, I will not do that, she said. When he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you're clinging to and must let go of it. And when Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have clarity that he was looking for, she laughed and said, I've never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Is that good? That you will trust God. We just closed out this series called Good God, question mark, right? And we were reminded that God truly is good. Everything about his character is good, and we can truly trust him. So today, we're going to walk through three prayers together that I, we really believe that will help us learn how to trust him. So here's the first prayer. Help me see you at work. Everybody say that with me. Help me see you at work. It's a pretty good prayer, right? Help me see you at work, God. Jesus says something interesting in John chapter 15. He says, I'm the grapevine and my father is the gardener. You've probably heard this scripture before, and when we hear this scripture, we almost always think, oh yeah, that's right, Jesus is the grapevine. But if we're not careful, we'll miss this beautiful part, that his father, God, is the gardener. Do we have any gardeners in here? Who's gardeners? It's gardening season, getting close. Some of you guys are, you're, you, you don't want to produce good fruit a lot of times, because you're like, ah, I'm a gardener. How many gardeners we got in here? It's okay. Oh, I've got quite a few green thumbs. Other than like landscaping and mowing, most of my gardening comes from the local market. <laughs> Farmer's market, that's my gardening. Uh, but I've, I've always kind of been intrigued with it. So I love going to hardware stores and you go to the garden section. And this happens every year. I walk around and I think, I'm going to plant a garden. And then I think, nope, it's way too much work. I'm not doing it. And I'm not going to produce the yield that I need to produce. But my grandpa was a good gardener. And he grew the best tomatoes and vegetables, all kinds of stuff. And one thing I know about a good gardener is they do whatever it takes to make their garden thrive, to make it thrive. So if God is the gardener, he wants us to thrive. 
He wants us to live and to trust him with hope for our futures. God wants us to thrive. He wants to meet us in every moment. So whenever we say this, help me see you at work. Everybody say that with me. Help me see you at work. Whenever we say that, we are choosing to trust his love, to trust his goodness, to trust his care, and to trust his plan. And that's really important because here's why. I said the best question you can ask is, will I trust him? And the single most important thing in our minds is the idea that we have of God, of who he is. Because when we believe that God is good, all of a sudden we're more likely to trust him. We're more likely to step out on faith and trust him in ways that we never have before. And whether you're new in your spiritual journey or whether you've been a Christ follower for decades, God always asks the same question. Trust me. Is the invitation's the same? No matter where we are, right in our journey or a follower for decades, trust me. And you can trust that God is good. Every ounce of his character is good and trustworthy. So, I'm going to have the band come. And for the next few moments, they're just going to play some music and kind of lead us out into some songs. And as they play, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer. Help me see you at work. Again, say that again. Help me see you at work. Help me be aware of your activity in me, through me, and around me, and where you're working. So first, let me lead out in prayer for all of us. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, our hearts long to believe that you are good and that we can trust you. And God, as we take a few minutes to absorb what we've heard so far, help us to realize that the way we see you matters more than anything else in the world. Help us see you for who you really are. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen.
help me choose what I want more. Now, on its face, I feel like this one doesn't seem all that shocking to us, right? Like, we know in, kind of intuitively that following Jesus is going to involve some level of making choices, right? And it's, I mean, it's no small thing what we're called to. Jesus himself says the most important commandment is this, that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So if we're going to live that kind of life, we're going to have to make some choices. And oftentimes they're difficult ones. The problem is often how we approach those choices. Because I think if we get honest, a lot of us find ourselves spending most of our time on just half of that commandment. Like we focus on trying to figure out how to love God with all our mind, making sure that we know all the right things, or how to love God with all our strength so that we do all the right things. And the whole time we're ignoring our heart and our soul. It's basically a fake it till we make it approach to following Jesus. It's like we're going to work really, really hard to try to do the kinds of things that we think Jesus would say and do. And we're pretty sure that if we can just grit our teeth and we keep doing that for long enough, our heart will catch up to the rest of it. But this is backwards, guys. Jesus himself says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Which means that if we really want to love Jesus and other people with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we've got to start at our hearts. What we really want, because what we say and do, it bubbles up from there, from what we really long for. So that ignoring our desires kind of becomes like when you're a kid and you're at the pool and you've got like a big beach ball and you're trying to shove it under the water. We all did that, right? Like, you're doing all your strength and all your balance to try to keep it under the surface of the water, but eventually you lose your grip or you lose your balance and it comes flying up above the surface. We can keep pushing down what we really want, but eventually it pops up above the waterline of our lives in the form of what we say and what we do. But there's a better way. God invites us to get real with him, to get real with ourselves about what's really going on with our desires. Not so he can shame us for wanting the wrong things, but so he can speak truth to our hearts. And then he invites us to choose. He invites us to choose what we want more. That initial desire that we're feeling, or a new longing that's transformed by a new awareness of who God is and who we get to be because of him. I want to give you an example of what this uh, sometimes looks like in my everyday life. So when I'm frustrated trying to get my kids out the door in the mornings, which Let's get real. That's a pretty frequent occurrence for us. I might say something like, God, what I really want is for my kids to just do what I tell them to do. And God's like, really? Is that really what you want? For them to just mindlessly obey so that your plans don't get interrupted or are delayed? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I want. But then there's that little voice that's like, What happens when you're not around? Is what you really want for your kids to be able to engage with their family and their world in loving and responsible ways? Because I do want my kids to listen. I want them to obey me and other authority figures in their lives. But what I want more is for them to be learning and growing into the kinds of adults who know how to care for themselves and others well. And then God patiently and lovingly reminds me that he loves those kids more than I do. And he made me their mom so that I can help them learn those kinds of things. And if that's true, then he'll equip me to be able to do that if I'll just stay connected to him. And let's get really real here, (laughs) moms of young kids. The kind of parent that I am on the mornings where I'm focused on just getting them to do what I want them to do is really different from the kind of parent I am when I remember that what I really want is to help them learn to be responsible adults on their own. The thing is, when I choose to allow God to transform my desire in those everyday moments, my words and my actions transform too. So if we're going to learn to trust God fully, we've got to trust him with our heart. We have to get honest with him about what we really want at our core. And when we see God for who he really is, like Jeremiah talked about, we know that we can trust him. We can trust him with our innermost desires and invite him to help us choose what we really want more. Now, so often in the New Testament, we see Jesus engaging people's hearts by asking them, what do you want? 
in, in Mark 10, we see two separate occasions where he asks people the same question, what do you want me to do for you? So I thought it would be good if we took a moment of reflection this morning. Um, we're going we're gonna to play some soft music in, in the background, and we're going to give you a moment to get honest with God to answer that question, what do you want me to do for you? Because maybe the way you need to welcome him as king in your life this week is to get real about what's going on in your heart and become aware of his presence and invite him to help you see and speak truth to the desires in your heart. So we're, we're gonna, I'm going to sit down here in a moment, and I want you to just tell God, what is it that's going on in your heart right now? And ask him, God, is there something I need to see? Is there something I want more? Invite him to speak truth to the desire right now. I start by praying, God, help me to see you. Because the only place God can meet us is in reality, in this moment, in our everyday lives. So God, help me to see you in this moment. And whenever I pray, as Leslie challenged us, now that I see you, God, I, I want to choose between desires that may be competing in my heart at times. Let me choose which ones I want more. There's one final prayer we have to pray if we're really going to trust God. And as Jeremiah set this up, trusting God is how we welcome Jesus as king. And so if you want to welcome Jesus as king this week, you'll have to pray this third prayer. I want to put it in front of you and have us pray it together. Help me embody your love, God. Pray that out loud with me. Help me embody your love. Now let me talk just for a couple of minutes about what that actually means. Here's what we believe it's true. 
you will only experience God's love as real if you act it out in your body. God's love cannot be real to you. It'll just be an idea in your head or something in a book until you act out in your body. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spends a lot of words trying to talk to people about this. He says, if you're just going to listen to my teachings and not do what I say, you will never experience life in my kingdom. In other words, I can't be your king. And then he says, by contrast, if you will hear and put into practice what I teach, you will be like a wise person who builds a house on a solid foundation. Here's the point. We do have to actually do something to demonstrate our trust in God. So a lot of us, as Leslie said, we skip right to the doing. We just power up. We're going to fix it all. We're all going to be better. We have to stop at the choosing first. Who is God and what's the choice that I have to make in response to that? That gets at the heart level. But once you're honest about that, then you'll have to do something. Do, do not hear what I'm not saying. We do not act in faith to earn something from God. I'm going to make God happy. I'm going to make sure that he loves me for some good reason. No, 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 no. We act in faith as a surrender to God. This is how we say, Jesus, you're my king. I, I give myself an allegiance to you as king. But if I really trust him, I will eventually take a concrete, embodied step of faith that shows up in my body. I will be transformed by the Spirit when I begin to act on what I say I believe. And when that happens, I'll discover God's been there the whole time. He's ready to accomplish in me stuff I could never possibly imagine. Uh, Dallas Willard says, to believe something is to act as if it were true. To actually begin to do something. So when my eyes get open and I see God at work in my life and the world around me for who he really is, and I begin to align my choices like Leslie illustrated, I begin to align my choices with who God is and who he says that I am. Now I'm in a position to act, but if I do not act at that point, I don't really trust. Think of it like this. The reason I'm married to Brenda Mills is not just because I saw her one day and thought, huh, I think I could marry her which did actually happen in a really inopportune time. But I thought, huh. But eventually, I actually proposed and said, how about we talk about getting married someday? And she said, I think that would be a good idea. And we set a date. We made a choice. We're going to marry each other. But the reason I'm married to Brenda is not because of that. It's because on June 27th, 1992, I showed up at the church. I walked down the aisle. I said my vows, and I took her away on a honeymoon. We're married because I acted on what I saw and what I wanted. I actually did it. Listen, my friends, that's how it works in our relationship with God. I don't just believe in God. We often use that one word, and I'll talk about this next week, to sum up a whole lot of stuff. But for me to believe in God is for me to actually do something about that moment by moment and day by day. I begin to participate with God in my life. That's how I embody this trust that I have in him. Here's another example. Imagine that I'm at the airport and I see people getting on planes and I see people getting off planes and I'm like, boom, this is amazing. Apparently you can get on this plane and go somewhere and get off at the other end. I think I see it now. I think I want to do that. And I go buy myself a ticket to get on one of those planes. The day you'll know I really trust that plane is the day I get on the plane. That's when we decide if I trust it. Again, don't hear what we're not saying. This is not about powering up and powering through and putting my head down to make it all happen. We get that so wrong in church so often. We act like it's all about my willpower. No, you know what it's about? My willingness. Jesus, you're my king. I'm here to surrender in allegiance to you. This is not about me fixing it all. It's about me learning to live in the freedom that King Jesus already bought for me on that cross. It's about me accepting that reality and living that way. It's not about me striving more. It's about me surrendering more. I trust God when I participate in life with God. This week we headed to Holy Week. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Is there anything God wants you to see right now about him? 
Is there any choice that he's been prompting you with? Maybe a few moments ago, maybe it's already been in the back of your mind, you just needed to noodle on it a little bit. Then my final question, our final question is, then what will you do to actually embody what God has shown you and live that good news out? Will you trust God in your situation? It may be something that sounds as simple as, I need to tell them the truth. I need to ask for help. I need to admit that I'm frustrated. It may be something more difficult, like I need to forgive them, or I need to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> what would it look like if you truly trusted in God's love enough to act on it this holy week? Here's what 2 Corinthians 5 says. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Would you read that last little phrase out loud with me? A new life has begun. This we're talking to you about today, we talk about it all the time, all different kinds of ways. This is how you access that new life. Do you get new life from Jesus? Yes. And this is what it looks like to live it, okay? We repeat those words whenever we baptize. Next weekend on Easter, we'll be baptizing, right? And we'll lower people under the water. We'll say, the old has gone. And when we raise them up, the new has come. The old me is crucified with Christ. I'm receiving my new life from Christ. It's a beautiful thing when that happens. The Apostle Paul says, understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. When we believe him, which means I trust him, which means I act in allegiance to him, I'll see him for who he really is. I will see my choices for what they really are. I will have to dig down deep into my heart, below the waterline of my life, and ask, what do I really want? And once I've identified what I really want, there'll be something I can do about that. And new life from Jesus becomes increasingly mine. When, listen to me, friends. Here's good news. When you begin to trust Jesus like this, you know what happens? You begin to have a little more peace and a little more joy and a little less shame and a little less regret and a little less guilt and a little more grace in the everyday moments of life. God's goodness actually shows up in your everyday life. As a mom with your kids in the morning, you feel the grace of God and you feel powered up to be the mom you really want to be that you often don't slow down enough to admit that you want to be until you get honest about what does it look like for Jesus to be king when I'm a mom of two rowdy boys. This is the kind of thing God does. And that's really good news. And Holy Week this week is all about how will you welcome King Jesus in your life? Will you see? Will you choose? Will you do? Because if you do, you'll discover your hope is real and Jesus changes everything when we participate in life with God. Amen? How about we make it real before we go? Do you have your communion elements? If you didn't get them on the way in, raise your hand. Iris has the tray. She'll pass it to you. We need a couple up here in the front, I think. One over here, maybe Iris. One back over here by the wall in this corner. If you're online, we asked you ahead of time on social this week to prepare the elements. So hopefully you have them ready. If you don't, grab something. Grab a cookie or a biscuit or a cracker and maybe some juice or something out of the fridge that you can drink and you can participate with us. Um, what this is, my friends, is an opportunity for us to practice with something tangible what it means for me to receive the body and blood of Jesus. You go ahead and open the top little section there in two sections if you haven't done this before and take out the little wafer, which is our bread for today. And everyone's welcome to participate, of course. I'm going to read to you what happened during that first Holy Week from Luke chapter 22, and then we will eat this bread together. It says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table, and Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it in pieces. We already did that for you. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said... This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat.
Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. We actually gave you your very own. Aren't you grateful? For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Let's take it and drink. We eat, if you will, the body of Christ broken for us. We drink the cup, which is his blood that is shed for us. And as we do, we remember this is how we embody the love of God in our world. We respond to Jesus as king, and we take him with us in our everyday lives everywhere we go. And so as you head into Holy Week this week, pray, God, help me see you. Help me get honest about what I want and choose what I want more. And then, God, show me what I can do to live it out in my body the way you lived your love out in your body for all of us. Amen? And now we offer him our bodies in response. That's what it looks like for Jesus to be king. As you head to your cars in a few moments, don't forget if you're a guest to stop by Connection Point and grab your t-shirt. And then next week we will celebrate the resurrection together for Easter Sunday morning. Hey, a couple of things about that real fast. Reminders. Um, you can see that the room is getting a little more difficult to be appropriately physically distanced. I realize COVID is hopefully on the wane. Certainly in our area at the moment it is. Many of you are beginning to get inoculated. But we do know that uh, there will be people with us next week who are a little nervous. We've had some people coming back the first time. Saw this at Farmington last week. A couple of folks came in. They were like pretty anxious about being back for the very first time. Everybody at different places in this. We want to make room for all of us to be able to enjoy the gathering. And if you have some friends or family who are coming or others who may be back with us for the first time because they're finally feeling safe enough to do so, we need the space. So we have an 8.30 gathering and we have a 10 o'clock gathering and then we'll be doing our usual 11 o'clock gathering at Farmington. There will be a full Go Kids program at all three of those. So there'll be identical gatherings, all right? Uh, quick, we were curious this morning, we were talking in the back, Sort of an informal, you may not know yet, that's okay, but a little informal poll since those of you who are actually in the room at Fredericktown, how many of you are planning to be in the 8.30 gathering as far as you know right now next week? Can we see your hands real quickly? Oh, wow, a whole bunch of you. How many of you think you'll probably end up in the 10 o'clock gathering next week? Let's see your hands real quickly. Okay, not quite as many. So here's something we might keep in mind. Oh, is anybody going to Farmington? You already know you'll be at the 11 o'clock next week in Farmington. Several, sometimes we have people who are, yeah, back and forth. Okay, um, so here's, I know you probably have a lot of plans made for next week, but if you're still on the fence about it, you're thinking, well, we could probably do either one. It looks like there will be more space available in the 10 o'clock. So if really you could go either way, uh, maybe lean towards the 10, kind of go over the bubble that way and maybe help balance it out because it would be helpful if we have an approximate, you know, equal number. It won't be perfect, but if we can have a decent spread between the two, it helps with the numbers we have in the room and the physical distancing we're trying to establish for people uh, to remain relatively safe next week. Everybody got it? Good. Okay. Um, again, if you would like to be baptized on Easter, this is the last call. Uh, I think we have the number up there. Can we put it up for baptism? You can just text the number, uh, word baptism to this number. Somebody on our team will get a hold of you this week, and they will follow up with you on the details about what all of that looks like. Uh, but I've already illustrated it. It's one of the other ways that we pledge to everyone. Jesus is my king. The old is gone, and the new has come. And if you haven't ever had a chance to take that step, I'm so glad we finally get to have baptisms again next weekend. Please let us know. We'll walk you through all of the questions and all of that, and then if you hear all all of the stuff that you go, ah, I don't think well, I'm quite ready yet. We get that too, all right? Uh, but the water will be warm. It will be chlorinated. You're all good. We'll cover all the bases, all right? And I believe it'll be a super meaningful experience for you. Hey, let me do this right before we go. Um, and somebody, if you're online, you may want to type this in the comments real quickly. And we're going to let you out of here. Uh, Leslie and I have to get to Farmington really quickly to be able to do this all over again up there. But let me, let me ask you a quick question, just in case somebody in the room thinks of this right away. Somebody who's been baptized... If somebody right now in this room is on the fence, like, I kind of want to, I kind of don't, I'm not really sure. What's the, what's the one thing that first comes to your mind you would say to them about why they should go ahead and just say yes? Anybody? Maybe from your own experience, what you've seen over the years? 
Oh, seize the moment. Okay, carpe diem, she says. Thank you, Audrey. Uh, seize the day. Take the moment. <laughs> kind of the question we ask a lot of times, what are we waiting for, you know? And sometimes we, we just find ourselves in a loop and we're waiting, but you can choose and break out of that if you want to. Anything else? How would you encourage somebody who's thinking about it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. Thank you, Sharon. Did you hear what she said? She, she has regrets because she waited a couple of years. And a lot of times we talk around here about do the next right thing you know to do. And it's kind of like what we're saying today. When God shows you something and you go, what do I want to choose? What do I really want? Uh, then you do the next right thing, you know? And so no need to have those regrets, right? Uh, looking back, you realize, yeah, that might have had an adverse effect for a couple of years because I just wasn't anxious to, to follow Jesus as quickly as maybe I could have. Uh, thank you, guys. So if you're on the bubble, text BAPTISM to that number. Can we put it back up there again? Text BAPTISM to that number. We'll get a hold of you. We'll make it work for you next week. Otherwise, enjoy Holy Week. Watch for God. Choose and do whatever he prompts you to do. And next week, we will celebrate the resurrection like crazy in the room together. Amen? Yeah, y'all are dismissed. Have a great week.